0: Stevens helped me off with my overcoat, murmuring that it was a dirty night. WCBS was now forecasting heavy snow before morning. I agreed that it was indeed a dirty night and looked back into that big high-ceilinged room again. A dirty night, a roaring fire, and a ghost story.
1: Welcome back, Um, so we have got another main brewing company beer here, it is uh, Peeper, it is a pale ale, it is a uh, 5.5% alcohol by volume, Um, it's also light, let's let's touch our beers together. Dink it, sink it.
2: That nice pepperiness that you like in some pails. It's pretty good. good, It's a good pail. It's a drinkable drinkable pail. It's not blowing my mind. No. No. Nothing from Maine really ever blows my mind, to be honest. So
1: what I first The
2: state of Maine. Much like like the state of Maine. Yeah. I don't know, man. Have you ever have you ever been to Portland and duck fat in Portland?
1: No. I've been to Portland though. You know what blows my mind when I go to Portland? The homeless problem. (laughs) Paula Page? Blows my mind. I did. That was the one thing about it, chapter two where
2: I was like, is oh, this is an indictment of Paula Page yeah, and all the yeah, stuff yeah. being closed."
1: Um, I first had this Maine Brewing Company stuff when I was in Maine. And I saw it. they had it at like a general store, and I, I like fell. I have like a packaging whore, and I fell in love with like the white label. and I was like, "Oh my god, it's so like pristine!" I drank a lot of it on that vacation, and then I came home and everybody had it, like on tap. At the stores. Like, there was main the main brewing company stuff everywhere, and I felt sad. Yeah, no, it's... It's it, it, it's much more so ubiquitous than, you know? I, than I thought it was. It
3: depends.
2: Like, lunch and dinner are kind of big. Well, dinner you can never get. Dinner, I remember three years ago, I was like, right, I'm going to try to go get dinner. It's like their big double IPA. I was up there doing a special release, and the lines were like three hours, and I'm like, I don't fucking care about that enough. For this... No, for uh, for main IPA for main brewing's dinner because it was like at the time I think it was ranked like number two in the country for an IPA. That makes me sad. Nobody needs to wait three. Hours. Guys, yeah, guys, we've talked about this before. Beer, generally pretty okay, but no beer is wait three hours. Okay, beer is good,
1: and if you're gonna wait three hours to get a beer, you could wait zero hours to get a beer that's just as good. Or like. But doesn't have the experience of having gone or to the place to get the special beer.
2: isn't reaching, maybe, maybe not as good, but not three hours of your time, or even like an hour of your time not good. Like worse. I mean, mm. like three hours? Come on.
1: That seems like, yeah, three hours we've determined in this podcast is a lot to ask yeah. of anybody for anything.
2: But we are... We have seen our listens. Yeah. On those episodes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm talked to JP. You think that's a long one? How long is it? It's like two hours and forty-two minutes. Uh, that's, a,
4: that's a miss. When you were
2: still in the '90s, they're just—they're just too long, man.
1: We were figuring it out. Yeah,
4: we,
5: were
2: doing we that. cut it down. Absolutely. We cut it down. I've yeah. been told we still need to cut it down, but
1: I don't know. Last week's it's gonna be a hard hours, ask. Last week's two hours was uh, a was, wor- was worth it. It was yeah. worth it. Um. But we're back, and we're back with um, something we like to do here, which we don't do enough of, I don't think, is ranking stuff. Yeah. Making well, short lists we, of our favorites.
2: Do we ever rank stuff, JP? What's on that? On this podcast. Do we ever rank stuff on this podcast enough? Do you feel like we should rank more things? I think the overall ranking
4: thing is going all right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, right.
2: That's the, true. The, it is the conceit of the podcast. Yeah. That a I actually did not think But what that. we don't often do... Let's talk about books. Do you want to like, read books directly. first? I think we should talk, we should talk about books first. You don't we're, a go... movie, we're a movie podcast. Oh, we should right. probably finish the movies. I don't know. We're going to talk about this off. Let's take a vote. We're going to take a vote on air. We had Democratic primaries here in New Haven today. The right person won. Um, <laughs> we'll take, a, we'll take, a, we'll take a vote. Just keep going. Books or movies first? I vote books.
1: I'll vote books. I'll find books. Right. Good job, um, Tony. <laughs> It's Tony. I probably would have voted for Tony. Um, all right, so who wants to go first here? What's or what's? I guess I'll, I'll just kick stuff off. When I'm reading, when I go for a Stephen King book, I'm not. So I feel like you and me have had this conversation a lot, JP. I tend to not find Stephen King scary, and I think that might be because I came to him like a little later. I also don't really have like a scare bone in my body. Like I tend to not find scary movies scary and then i find like horrific movies really moving like the house at Jack Belt was just very moving by the end of the movie yeah
2: i'm similar the same way i think when i'm looking for scares or fear i'm gonna read non-fiction or see a documentary (laughs) dealing with like real life horrors um some of those aspects like cosmic horror i guess kind of kind of like unnerve me Yeah, yeah um but in terms of like Stephen King, I never really look at Stephen like I think there's one book on my list that had like a little bit of two one two of the things on my list that had like a little unnervingness to me, but like mm-hmm. that's the most I get to with fiction as yeah, being slightly unnerved. I
1: go for just like a good like a good story. Yeah, like, exactly. that's what I want out of Stephen out of Stephen King. Is the good story. Um To that end, I'll open up the discussion with my number five. And it is Not going to be a surprise because I think I've talked about it. It's his uh, short story collection, Different Seasons, is my number five. You got yourself, I think it's 86. uh, Shawshank Redemption, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, 82. Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, At Pupil, The Body, and The Breathing Method. I was a big breathing method guy for a while because I thought it made me cool. Just like saying that my favorite Thomas Pynchon novel is Vineland. Breathing
2: Method, the one short story, hasn't yet been adapted to a film and is now getting adapted to a film. Is oh, it? Jesus Christ. Scott Dickerson is directing.
1: There's nothing that happens in it. It's just a guy teaching someone to breathe.
2: You don't think the man behind Doctor Strange can do that? No, I
4: don't. Funnily enough, with different seasons, um, I've read The Breathing Method once, maybe twice, and all the other ones several times.
1: Yeah. No, and, and it's funny because I was not like a big apt pupil guy at first. I think because of the movie it got in the way of my enjoyment of the story. But when I stepped away from it for like a long time and then went back and read them at pupil like blew my mind. It is that book is tense. And
4: here's another thing we should talk about is that I've got 10 years on you and I don't know how many years on you. I'm 33. You're 33. I'm 40 going to 47. So I was reading this stuff in fourth and fifth grade. Yeah. In
2: this book came out before I was born.
4: So I was reading it. I was reading um, not it, but I was reading oh. um, different seasons. You know, a couple years after it came out, I was reading all those books over and over. It's what I. It's what I, you know, it's of, what I grew up
2: on. Right. Well, I think I'm, I'm similar too. Like a lot of I grew up on King.
1: See, I didn't, and it makes me feel bad.
4: It a. That it's feel good, like a jerk. It's a different
2: perspective.
4: I, I think mean, it is. I, I learned everything through reading King.
2: You know? Yeah, like I'm going to say like at pupil and the body I read has been middle school. And yeah. neither mm-hmm. of them made a connection to me. So I don't have a strong connection to different seasons. I've never actually read Breathing Method.
1: It's really good. Um, it's, I think it's a really solid. It's It's actually more indicative of his writing in later years because it's. Not overlaid with like a concise. bunch of extra crap, it's right. just it's the story, it's an emotional story, it's got good characters, um, it's got a really good ending, um, but yeah, so I mean, Shawshank Redemption, Rita Hayworth, and Shawshank Redemption is obvious, but yeah, App Pupil is kind of the one that like stirs my pot these days,
4: yeah, and me too, um, and I learned all about world, the World War Two concentration camps through that, it was like this stuff was happening you know and so for me it was that much more horrifying
1: and to that end i think it's because it's very believable even if it doesn't the and it's not just like the plot the i think the emotions that kind of underlie the foundation of the novel like if you i want to know about it i just really want to know so you got to tell me or i'm going to tell somebody that you're a nazi a boy he
0: repeated I don't need anything, boy. Read the sign. You can read, can't you? Of course you can. All American boys can read. Don't be a nuisance, boy. Good day. The door began to close. He might have dropped it right there, Todd thought much later on one of the nights when sleep was hard to find. His disappointment at seeing the man for the first time at close range, seeing him with his street face put away, hanging in the closet, you might say, along with his umbrella and his trilby, might have done it. It could have ended in that moment, the tiny, unimportant, snicking sound of the latch cutting off everything that happened later as neatly as a pair of shears. But as the man himself had observed, he was an American boy... And he had been taught that persistence is a virtue. Don't forget your paper, Mr. Dusander, Todd said, holding the times out politely. The door stopped dead in its swing, still inches from the jam. A tight and watchful expression flitted across Kurt Dusander's face and was gone at once. There might have been fear in that expression. It was good, the way he had made that expression disappear... But Todd was disappointed for the third time. He hadn't expected Dusander to be good. He had expected Dusander to be great.
1: Like that actually makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like I would do that same thing. Like I would, like. Just could you tell me like what that was like?
4: On a, I thought about this with with that story because, you know, this kid is sick. But when you're learning about that stuff, maybe it's guys. I don't know. But there's just this. You're drawn to the.
1: I I agree with you one hundred. The terribleness of it. Yeah, no, it is it is very strange. All right, number five, JP, go. My number five.
4: Is, eleven twenty
1: two
2: sixty three. Ah, well, we'll talk. Well, well. I know. What You're is here. your what
1: is what is your take on the eleven twenty two sixty three? We won't involve ourselves at all. No. JP eleven twenty two sixty three.
2: I don't know why.
4: I just, <laughs> I just, it's. The best of the later King books that mm. I've read is just I ripped right through it. I mean I'm a Kennedy assassination conspiracy guy, mm. so just anything with the Kennedy assassination I'm gonna read. So it's funny because his take is that yeah, I was well I was gonna say were you, were
2: you disappointed by the fact that a this- little
4: yeah, but uh, but the story just rips. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's really good. Fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's one. It's one of. I don't want to get into this too much, but that's the, that is the topic of It is a novel that is girthy, but it does like you say kind of rips along. You you are kept enthralled by it. you don't have to like leave it for months on end like I did
1: with the stand. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a different thing. What's your number five?
2: My number five. Um, I'm typically a fan of King's shorter works uh-huh. by and far, um, and I like. I like his ground more, slightly more grounded works. That's why my number five is Misery. Uh,
1: that is surprising to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, not because I don't think you're capable of liking Misery. Just I didn't think it was going to be there. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so for me,
2: I, I think King works at his best with his human antagonists. You know, like Henry Bowers is, is scarier than to me than something like it. You know, the... Um, you know we'll talk about 112263 those the the human antagonists in that are often scarier than these kind of metaphysical creatures he creates i'm not a dark tower guy at all i'm Mm -hmm. never gonna insult it i just don't believe in the fantasy aspect i don't like the fantasy genre in like film or in literature so that kind of like macroverse stuff he does never appeals to me misery you know just feels so well grounded in that sense um and it, it kind of, it feels almost like it plays off his own fears. So it's kind of interesting reading what, to me, felt like a man dealing with what felt like possibly was his own exercising of his own true demons. I, I, don't, I
1: never read, like, the, the background on it. Um, well, I think it's his first, I was just listening to a podcast, and I think it might be his first book post, like, rehab like him coming out of the 80s. Oh, yeah. You know, um, but I, I don't want to, I, I might be wrong yeah, about that. Yeah, speculating on that, but. But I think it's one of the first books that he wrote after he just kind of spent 1980, like to 89, just destroying himself. Oh, well, yeah, you know he says, he does say, um,
2: take the psychotic nurse in misery, which I wrote when I was having a tough time with dope. I knew what I was writing about. That was never in question. Annie was my drug problem, and she was my number one fan. God, she never wanted to leave. Yeah, and and you get that. You get like this real palpable fear
3: to it. Razor blades blew through the dope, and Paul's eyes flew open. She had risen and now drew the bedclothes down, exposing his twisted legs and bare feet. No, he said. No. Annie, whatever it is you got on your mind, we can talk about it, can't we? Please. She bent over. When she straightened up, she was holding the axe from the shed in one hand and a propane torch in the other. The blade of the axe gleamed. Written on the side of the propane torch was the word burns She bent down again and this time came up with a dark bottle and a box of matches. There was a label on the dark bottle. Written on the label was the word Betadine. He never forgot these things, these words. These names. Annie, no! He screamed. Annie, I'll stay right here. I won't even get out of bed. Please. Oh God, please don't cut me.
2: That, that, that feels like a, a person authentically working through their own sorts of issues. And
1: it's one of those rare books where you get like a fake book in the middle of the book, and that mm-hmm. book kind of works oh absolutely it adds to the and and it's not a it's not a big book it's
4: only like 300 and something pages it was pretty much the first king book besides Eyes of the Dragon that was under 500 or even 400 pages yeah and and it was
1: yeah it's really lean but in the middle of it it's got that you know it's got that kind of um, that fake book in it but it's um, yeah, Misery was one of the ones that I was kind of jostling around on my It was very list, close for me, too. Both for movies and books. Because like, yeah. I really like the movie. I think the movie's really good. Um, all right, so you just mentioned um, Dark... Do you have something else?
2: Oh, I was, I was going to switch to my number four. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, we'll like snake around. Yeah. All right. So, conversely, I sometimes appreciate when King taps into that cosmic horror. I don't necessarily find it scary, but... There is something subtly unnerving about it, and I have two novels from him that come from later King. I'm actually kind of a fan of some of the later King aspects. Uh, Mr. Mercedes doesn't show up on my list, but I found Mr. Mercedes to be a good,
1: exciting pulp
2: read. I never read the other two books. Finder's Keepers is really
1: good. End of Watch is fucking terrible.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I just I I naturally assumed they weren't going to work. And um, speaking of endings not working, as they talk about it, chapter two. (laughs) This is a great example of one. Uh, Revival is my number yeah. four. Um, I don't know if it's going to show up. I don't think it was going to show up on your it's, list. It's
1: very close. It's like six and seven. I'm not going to say what my six is because it would have probably been because it'll probably be on your list. But it, it's it's probably seven. Because I think up until the ending you were referencing, Revival is a great fucking time. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, it, it, it builds this foreboding sense of, of death and what comes on the other side. Um Say, I think it's maybe one of the ones to, to explain because it's not yet been kind of adapted into a film although it is um, being adapted into a is, film yeah I think that's going to be one of the ones that kind of get stuck in you know development hell to me let's hope um, you know this kid's kind of enamored with this uh, preacher who comes in the town this preacher kind of has this um, you know has, has, has it's his like wife a hobby. And kid it has this kind of hobby with with electricity Um, his wife and child die, so he denounces God and kind of just disperses, becomes a kind of sideshow act because he's kind of developed this way to bring people back to life or to, you know, people who are really sick or people who have, you know, even died, um, bring them back to life because he's searching for a gateway to the other side to see Mm -hmm. what happens. Um, And, you know, the novel kind of plays on the, that kind of thin veil between life and death. And it really works to be actually unsettling and unnerving as he builds it throughout the, once again, another shorter novel. It's like four or five pages or so. um, Building to what's beyond that veil.
6: There's a door in the wall, Astrid said. The hoarseness that left her voice. Her eyes rolled back down in their sockets, but not together. They came one at a time. When they were back in place, it was Jacob's they were looking at. You can't see it. It's small and covered with ivy. The ivy is dead. She waits on the other side, above the broken city, above the paper sky. Blood can't turn cold, not really, but mine seemed to. Something happened, I thought. Something happened, and Mother will be here soon
2: unfortunately king kind of falls asunder where he you know shows you what very clearly what's behind that veil and no (laughs)
3: you
2: you should never (laughs) never really have done that um and that's the unfortunate thing that doesn't work is like that 30 pages where he's kind of like explaining what is beyond the veil um you know but you take that out you you see you know it, it aspects a, a, a person who I can't remember what it was it's been a, like they they go to see a woman who had been she's been terminally ill right and the it Mary was... the Mary Fay character and this like revive viver right after her death and that's kind of like opens up the gateway yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Um, she and, got and like there's terminal uh, cancer. Yeah,
2: yeah and what works about that is like the things you see starting to come out of her mouth and I think that would have been fine to like leave it there, but unfortunately King goes too far with it and kind of shows you beyond that veil. Um, but you excise that and it's actually a real, I think it's an even more solid aspect of cosmic horror, of yeah, capturing yeah, what yeah. Lovecraft couldn't do because Lovecraft was so enamored with not only his racism and sexism, um, but also with, you know, describing setting, kind of having that weird Nathaniel Hawthorne need. Um, so it's, it's one of the few weird cosmic horrors of his that works for me.
1: Well, especially the new, because like, a lot of his new stuff is not cosmic No, it's, it's really it's, grounded. Yeah. Uh,
2: um, or the cosmic aspect only plays a role to a more grounded sort of horror.
1: Yeah, I love it. Did you read Revival?
4: I have not read Revival. You
2: will like it. You yeah. will just zip through it. Yeah, I think you'll like it. One, I, I read it in two nights.
4: After we talked about this, I looked at his bibliography and realized I have read so little of what he's released since... Eighty nine or so, and that comes from the thing that
1: you were talking about. I before started with, college, you started then, like where you grew up reading it, and then it's just kind of a point where you're just like, I can't keep up. with
4: And then this. the Tommyknockers came out.
1: <laughs> well, like, I was reading, I was rereading it at my parents' house, and my dad came out. He's like, I think I've only read two Stephen King books, and one of them was the Tommyknockers. And I was like, Oh, Dad, that'll stop you. That'll in your tracks. It. Yeah. All right. What's your number four, JP?
5: My number four is Salem's Lot. There was a booming, triumphant laugh. Barlow was sitting up in his coffin, those red eyes flashing with hellish triumph. They locked with Ben's, and he felt the will draining away from him. With a mad, convulsive yell, he raised the stake over his head and brought it down in a whistling arc. Its razored point sheared through Barlow's shirt, and he felt it strike into the flesh beneath. Barlow screamed, It was an eerie, hurt sound, like the howl of a wolf. The force of the stake slamming home drove him back into the coffin on his back. His hands rose out of it, hooked into claws, waving crazily. Ben brought the hammer down on the top of the stake, and Barlow screamed again. One of his hands, as cold as the grave, seized Ben's left hand, which was locked around the stake. Ben wriggled into the coffin, his knees planted on Barlow's knees. He stared down into the hate-and-pain-driven face. Let me go, Barlow cried. Here it comes, you bastard, Ben sobbed. Here it is, leech. Here it is for you. He brought the hammer down again. Blood splashed upward in a cold gush, blinding him momentarily. Barlow's head lashed from side to side on the satin pillow. Let me go. You dare not. You dare not. You dare not do
4: this. And that is, so for me, King's one of the only writers who's actually really just scared the shit out of me. Mm i tried reading some of the other guys. And um, I do appreciate that, you know, he's written some great stories, but the stuff that that resonates with me the most is the stuff that scared the living shit out of me and sticks with me. And so when I made this list, that's kind of what I mm-hmm. gravitated to. Though eleven twenty two sixty three isn't particularly scary, but um, it's just an example of one of his great stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Salem's Lot for me is all about that scene in the morgue with the Glicks' mother mm-hmm. coming back
1: amazing stuff i really like and salem's lot was one of the ones that i because i started with other stuff and then like went backwards to the early stuff mm-hmm. and salem's lot was the because uh, i i didn't really like carrie i don't respond to carrie um the first couple times i read the shining i was not like a shining guy mm-hmm. um but salem's lot when i read it i was like yep
2: never never read it I don't like vampire stuff. I just find it kind of boring, so I just always. I don't. Stuck, I'm stuck not a big like,
4: vampire guy either.
1: Well, I think the thing about Salem's Lot is not like necessarily a vampire book. It's kind of a book about the like, town, the town, and like losing your faith, and like what's that what that's like. And I remember that scene where like, and he like Stephen King talked about this on his on the Eli Roth podcast, and I remember reading the scene where the vampire just kind of like snaps the crucifix out of his hand. And is like this shit doesn't mean work. means um, is still, like, I can I can visualize, like, that scene in my mind. Because mm-hmm. when I was reading it, I was like, oh, like, oh. like, not scared, but like, that's awesome. Like, right. that's awesome. Yeah. Because you don't, ex- like, I think it's one of the cool things about Stephen King is like, sometimes he does stuff that, like, a lot of times he does stuff that you have seen coming like a mile away. But sometimes he throws the things in there that are, you know, just different. They're like twists on um, unexpected yeah and what we come to understand like what the um the trope is
4: right about vampires, right
1: um but like to that end my number four is a dark tower book the fourth in the dark tower series wizard and glass um it is his western book so when he takes roland back to before he even started his quest for the tower when he was 14 years old and him and Cuthbert and elaine um get sent Away, um, because to you know get them sent out of harm's way because Martin or Walter or whoever or Flag is um you know in the kingdom and, and he's entranced uh, Roland's mother and Roland wants to kill him but his dad doesn't want him to be killed so he he sends the three guys away and they discover this this plot while well, they're there um but what unfolds between like a hundred pages of, of you know, the end of The Wastelands and then a hundred pages after um, the flashback is, for me, one of the great Western novels of all time. Not because it sticks so closely to the Western tropes, which it does, but because it takes the Western tropes and adds extra stuffs to it. So there's the part about the thinny, where, like, the reality is thin in this one spot and they, like, they feed people into it. It's got one of the great action sequences um of all time in the ending of the book where like uh roland and and Cuthbert and elaine kind of overtake these these people that are trying to like move stuff for john farson and
7: i'll smash it he shrieked at the cold-eyed boy bearing down on him like death's sleekest engine before all the gods out roland thumbed back the hammer of his revolver and fired The bullet struck the center of the tattooed hand holding the drawstring cord and vaporized the palm, leaving only fingers that twitched their random way out of a spongy red mass. For just a moment Roland saw the blue coffin, and then it was covered by down-spilling blood. The bag dropped, and as Rusher collided with Jonas's horse and slewed it to the side, Roland caught the bag deftly in the crook of one arm. Jonas screaming in dismay as the prize left him grabbed at Roland caught his shoulder and almost succeeded in turning the gunslinger out of his saddle. Jonas's blood rained across Roland's face in hot drops. "Give it back you brat!" Jonas clawed under his serape and brought out another gun. "Give it back, it's mine! Not any more," Roland said. And as Rusher danced around, quick and delicate for such a large animal, Roland fired two point-blank rounds into Jonas's face. Jonas's horse bolted out from under him, and the man with the white hair landed, spread-eagled on his back with a thump. His arms and legs spasmed, jerked, trembled, then stilled.
1: But you just seep into it you just you read it and like the longer you're reading all the characters are perfectly well developed they all follow their roles you know what I mean Um, and that's part of how that's, that's the western part but then it's it's like the kind of how he transgresses those western tropes makes you kind of sink deeper into it because then you're not getting into like a western world you're getting deeper into the dark tower the mythology of the tower, and I read um, one through four all the way through because I was working at a bookstore when five, six, and seven came out. I was working at the B Dalton in the, and the <laughs> mall, and I was like, "I got to get into this Stephen King thing because this Dark Tower thing to make sure I'm ready." And I did the same thing with Harry Potter, and it like consumed my life for like a year. I was just me and my buddy Carl, who I'm not friends with anymore, really. That's um, all we did was like Dark Tower. We just like sunk into the tower, which is not to say that like one of the Dark Tower books is the one of the worst books he's ever read or written. Which is number six, Song of Susanna, is fucking terrible. Um, but there's, I mean, I got a couple of Dark Tower books on my list here. Like this is the first one when he's on, when he gets you. I mean, it's just, it's like there's no better feeling than being in in the tower.
4: Yeah, I really liked Wizard and Glass, but that's also where I stopped with the Dark Tower. I. Well, that's the
1: thing. Wolves of the Call is kind of a continuation. It's also Western in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. But has weird stuff. But Callahan from Salem's Lot comes back into the picture. Um, as, um, you know, he's, he's kind of found his way into this other world. And he's living in this town, Collar and Sturgis. And he's got one of the Wizards Rainbow. He's got Black 13. With him and it's just awesome. I, lo- I fucking love the Dark Tower. Me and the Dark Tower are like best
4: friends. Yeah, I'd like to pick it up again. I like like Mario. You know, when I when the Talisman came out, it's like no, don't want anything to do with that. Eyes of the Dragon, what the hell is this? Yeah, or well, even Dark
2: Tower, this isn't what yeah. I want from you. And I think my problem with that too is like all those books are so girthy. Like they're they're you know.
1: Well, they get progressively bigger, which yeah. is hilarious? Yeah,
2: like I think if it was like kind of like the divided parts of the Green mile were kind of like kind of divided into those little like novellas mm-hmm. i could have taken it but like they're you're looking at what three
1: to four thousand pages worth of material well and so part of me was like if i had felt stronger about my number six then i would have put Wizard wizarding glass and my other dark tower that's on my list together and just said like the dark tower right but i also felt so strongly that song of Susanna stinks that i was like i, I want can't to differentiate it. between like, the books here. Because some of the books are much stronger than other books. Because you had mentioned, like, liking, really liking Drawing of the Three. Mm-hmm. I like Drawing of the Three. The Wastelands is kind of a great book, even though, like, the Shardik the Bear introduction scene is kind of silly in the yeah. sense that it's like, oh, there's only one of these guys left in the world, and we just happen to stumble upon him. And now we're going to shoot the thing off his head. But, so... We're talking about long works, and my number three is a short work. It comes from the 2008 short story collection. uh, Just after um, sunset,
2: it is. Oh, you're just doing. You're just picking something from
1: there. I'm just picking something from there because it's very pivotal. It's the short story "N." It is. It deals directly with what you were talking about before about the cosmic horror. It is. um, It is Lovecraftian in its in its execution. There is a a a guy stumbles upon a field and he goes into the field and he sees a ring of stones and there's seven stones when he sees it or there's eight stones when he sees it and then he turns around and he looks back and there's seven stones and there's a there's an eye bulging out of like a thin place in the center of the ring of stones and um and he he knows that like there's and there's a there's like a being back there and beyond the beyond this place there's a being trying to get out. And if he gets out and he like rips open the fabric of the world, beyond that's gonna be, you know, just all the Lovecraft stuff. All the stuff that we get to see we didn't we had to see in Revival is just kind of mentioned here. You know what I mean? We don't get to see it. It's the threat, the ominous threat of all the stuff happening.
6: The breeze was a win by then. It sent the hay rippling down the length of the field in big waves of shadow. The smell was worse, and the day was darkening. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, it was pure blue, but the day was darkening just the same, as if some great invisible planet was eclipsing the sun. Something spoke, not English, something that sounded like Katan, Katan, Diana. Diana but then Christ then it said my name it said Gdan and Diana And I think I screamed, but I'm not sure because by then the wind had become a gale that was roaring in my ears. I should have screamed. I had every right to scream because it knew my name. That grotesque, unnameable thing knew my name.
1: The genius of N, and one of the reasons it's like so close to my heart, is that he ties obsessive-compulsive behavior to maintaining the fabric of the universe. So all the things that obsessive-compulsives do, like knocking on things, touching stove burners, placing things in order... Um, counting things well, this is the one where i think i read this is the one where like prime numbers
2: are bad and all that like like odd numbers and well
1: because it's it's all about so like you know seven versus like even numbers eight? are even numbers are good because like, there's eight stones i believe there's eight
2: stones i read this a long time ago and
1: it's um but it's really it's just fast i mean the one problem i have is he's got it structured as a series it's like a letter mm-hmm. some case notes a transcription of a tape. Yeah, it's like the newspaper clippings and uh, yeah, like another manuscript, like a journal entries, and then like another letter or two letters in a row. Um, so like that ends a, with an email. That's a little something? yeah, it's a little clumsy. That's um, it's, it's RL Steinish. <laughs> yeah, but like the conceit that all these things that all these people kind of do all the time, and I have and I and, and I deal with some of this stuff all the time. Like I I'm a locked door checker. I'm um, you know, I sometimes take pictures of, of doors to make sure they're closed. So I can prove to myself later that they're closed. Um, the the idea that all that stuff is kind of like holding the world together. That w- the people that are doing that stuff are doing that to kind of like keep the universe... keep. Okay. So and that's and so it's one of the criticisms that I could make of King is that King sometimes see. It sometimes seems like he sees like the obvious theme in his work and then like avoids talking about it. So the idea that. Um, People, if they aren't doing that stuff, their mind is open enough to conceive of like the ending of the world. And there's a, there's a hole there. Because your mind is open, there's a hole for things to seep, to seep through. But if you're focused on doing the work, the placing, the counting, the touching, all this other stuff, you can keep your mind fixated on other things and not let it be open enough for the... Cthulhu-like, or not Cthulhu because that's the ocean thing, but the Lovecraftian horrors to kind of come out and, and, and just consume us.
2: It has like a Cthulhu-style name, though, I remember, right? Cthun,
1: yeah, that's oh, yeah, the name yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great. I love it. The audiobook is great, too, like the reading of it. It's who wonderful. does it? It's a bunch of just people. It's no one like, specific. Um, but it's done, not a single reader. It's got like three or four different readers. Um, and it really works. It really works well. Um, it's fantastic. Okay. And
2: it's apparently being looking. This is going to be adapted into a TV series. Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> it's a it's
4: a forty page short story, <laughs> like a
1: sixty page short story.
4: Yeah, I don't. Just after sunsets, one I don't have.
1: It's oh. okay. I mean, the stories are very um, readable yeah. and fun in a lot of ways. Like that's the one that has the porter potty story. Where the guy gets locked in the border body and like has to get out of the border body. <laughs> it also has a story called um, stationary bike, which I think is kind of cool. Where a guy like paints a there's like a mural painted in his basement where he has a stationary bike and then the mural changes like as he's riding his bike. It's stupid, but it's also it's not supposed to be good. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like the um, uh, full dark No stars short stories which is 1922 and Big Driver um, and A Good Marriage, which are like really heavy, meant to be very like, serious things. I like that one. I like that one a lot too. But those are they're different short stories. These are just kind of fun, like light, yeah, yeah, light, yeah. toss-em-off things. All right, number three, JP.
4: Uh, going further back a little bit. Yeah, good. You know, I made these lists a bunch of times, but... I did two. You know,
1: this wasn't on my,
4: my list initially, uh, but I've read it so many times, and that's because I just enjoy the journey so much, and mm-hmm. that's not the ending, but, yeah, that's a Stephen <laughs> King thing. <laughs> that's,
1: that's the theme of the episode.
4: Uh, the Stand.
8: Randall Flagg, the Dark Man, strode south on US-51, listening to the night sounds that pressed close on both sides of this narrow road that would take him sooner or later out of Idaho and into Nevada. From Nevada he might go anywhere, from New Orleans to Nogales, from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine. It was his country, and none knew or loved it better. He knew where the roads went, and he walked them at night. Now an hour before dawn he was somewhere between Grassmere and Riddle, west of Twin Falls, still north of the Duck Valley Reservation that spreads across two states. And wasn't it fine? He walked rapidly, run down boot heels clocking against the paved surface of the road, and if car lights showed on the horizon he faded back and back, down over the soft shoulder to the high grass where the night bugs made their homes. And the car would pass him, the driver perhaps feeling a slight chill as if he had driven through an air pocket, his sleeping wife and children stirring uneasily as if all had been touched with a bad dream at the same instant.
1: Oh man! Explain it to me, JP. Explain it. All I can
4: tell you is I know. You said you couldn't even read it.
2: I I had to stop because it's just. I just dull. Well, get to get to Colorado, and I'm just like, oh my
4: god. I think, yeah, it slows down there. My thing was about everybody's Mm -hmm. journeys to that, Um, and Larry Underwood. Love Larry Underwood. Love the Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. Just I read it over and yeah. over in my youngin
1: days. I wish I could say this. I've done it one time, and I was it just I it, like didn't get me. I had like to force myself to finish it. Yeah, I think it's just dude, in this. I felt the same thing with Under the Dome. Like those really long, lots of characters, I know, lots we, of backstory. We've had this conversation. We had, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, and
2: that's the problem. It's like it, it like. I feel it starts out so solid, like, as the apocalypse is coming and all all the introductions to the characters and kind of, like, setting the wheels in motion, but then once those wheels set in motion and kind of, like, the sides kind of, like, create themselves and whatnot, you just get so bogged down in, like, agenda meeting minutes and, like, really, like, like, in the Colorado sequences, like, really heavily describing, like, the perfect agenda and, like, developing the perfect society, it's just, like, I don't care. Like, King, especially... I think, like, from the 80s and earlier, did a good job of developing his characters, but then would want to create this overarching narrative that I think he kind of, like, you know, did with Dark Tower. Like, Dark Tower was his exercise to creating this overarching narrative, but a lot of his earlier novels for me suffer from everything trying to create this bigger world when really his strength was characters. And so, like, once the characters are established in the stand, then he has to, like, establish this
1: world, and I just... Don't there just always seem to be like too many characters in the stand. Like the in the first I don't know how many hundreds of pages the beginning of the book is all those people kind of, all those different people confronting like the onset of the super flu. Mm-hmm. And after like three or four of those people I'm just like I can't, I don't know if I could do this yet. I don't know how much, many more of these I can do. And like it's funny because Wizard and Glass kind of does that too where like there's lots of different people who get Chapters told in the or sections because he doesn't do really, he does like chapters, but then everything's like the numbered sections and all this other stuff. Um, that get their own kind of points of view, but it's just much shorter and it's it's a much smaller universe that it's operating in. So the stand just always seemed so huge, and maybe I just like felt threatened by that hugeness, you know what I mean?
4: Well, for me, it was just getting just living in that world, yeah. No, I get and it, and that, that's what it is, yeah. But, yeah, to be clear, the, the first half is, you know, at circles around the second half.
2: <laughs> which, which I think is perfect. I think because, like, a lot of that first half kind of deals with, like, the fallout of, like, this kind of, like, militaristic world that's kind of developed. Right. And it creates this, this picture of, like, the, the weaponization that's used in, like, Soviet Union and China to kind of, like, you know, this martial law kind of going to further and further extents to kind of, like, quell kind right. of, like, what you know, well, spreading the news.
4: You look at what's going on with culture now, all the zombie stuff and everything, and this was one of the
2: first things I read that was like that sort of like
4: mm. post-apocalyptic mm. sort of uh,
2: landscape. And I like when King sometimes can do a sort of, I maybe mean not post-apocalyptic, but a militaristic totalitarian sort of idea. It can
1: Dreamcatcher.
2: Grounded. <laughs> it is a Richard Bachman book. Oh, okay. The long walk.
6: A shifty-eyed walker named Milligan saved them all by falling to his knees. His eyes squeezed shut and his hands pressed to his temples as if he were trying to hold his brains in. He slid forward on the end of his nose, abrading the tip of it on the road like soft chalk on a rough blackboard. How amazing, Garrity thought. That kid's wearing his nose away on the road. And then Milligan was mercifully blasted. After that, the walkers stopped cheering. Garrity was badly scared by the pain in his chest that was subsiding only partially. He promised that was the end of the craziness.
2: I.
4: So Ooh. you threw a curveball there last week. I heard that. What's one?
2: You said the long walk was, you didn't think it was going to be on any list. Yeah, no, it ended up making it. Ah, it.
1: curveballs.
2: The more I thought about it, I was like, no, long walk is, long walk's here. Um, I have a real love of literature that deals with a bunch of people set to do a task and dying one by one doing those tasks.
1: <laughs> Is there, a, what's, what are other books in this? Battle sh- Royale.
2: short Battle Royale, okay. I even read the first Hunger Games just because it does the same thing, even though it's just a ripoff of Battle Royale. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the start of that. This was the first one I read that kind of had this kind of, like, motif behind it, mm-hmm. and I just, just, it's it's a thoroughly exciting pulp read. There's not a lot of meat to it. Not a lot which of yeah, Which is All the Bachman
4: books fine. are, except yeah.
2: for,
1: what is it, Desperation? Well, I thought you were going to say Thinner. No, no. Where are the Regulators is Bachman? Which one's Bachman?
4: Well, I consider the Bachman books the four that were issued in one set. Sure, so but there's... Rage, Long Walk...
2: Rage, which you can't... Running Man, Man and, and Roadwork. Can well, you even get copies? A, you can't even... Thinner is a Thinner Bachman. is
1: separate. Thinner is ba- yeah. Oh, it's so Thinner separate. Okay.
2: You can't even get Rage anymore, though, right? No. Nope. I've never read it because it's impossible to find. It's in, like that paper, it's in like find. the
1: paperback of the four Bachman books. Yeah.
2: I thought it's like edited heavily. I don't know. Because for people that don't know, Rage is just skull shooting, right? But there's six of them,
1: right? There's it's the six... There's four... six. And, well, there's six total oh, Bachman books. Thinner. And Thinner and then... Which one? The, the Regulators of Desperation. I don't remember which one One is, of
4: those two.
2: Is. But, so, for this, for me, like, paper-thin characters, really, you know. It's, it's just, you a, just a whole lot of death. A um, whole lot of people walking, slowly uh, breaking down.
4: I love this a lot. I've read it re- probably within the last five years. This
2: is this is a book for me that, like, one of the few kings I've gone back to, like, three times mm-hmm. to reread mm-hmm. it. Because it's, it's, well, it's so quick. pulp. It's, it's popcorn fun. It's just... Yeah. It's a good, enjoyable time. It's been long, like, in production kind of hell, and I think it was one of the few that you're like, yeah, of course it's going to be made into him. I know, like, Frank Darabont, I think, wants to do it. Which I think would
1: be... Frank Darabont, come on. make a different movie.
2: (laughs) But, um, no, there's not a lot to say about it. I mean, the the depth of characters isn't there. The depth of story isn't there. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be. You know, you're just watching... Kids walk four miles per hour and try to. get in Getting their tickets because after getting the three warnings, you know? Mm-hmm. Getting yelled at for eating some watermelon slices. <laughs> Shitting themselves, you know? It's, it's fun. Well, there, I mean, well, it doesn't sound fun, but it's just, it yeah, is just a, a book, fun so People have to shit themselves. Oh, no, of course. They just have to. Um, and now by number two, I, I tried to limit this to just one. Just one single collection of short stories for me king is at his best when he's writing short stories i find king's short stories to be in almost every way better than most of his longer literature Uh uh-huh um and so i just wanted to keep it to one just to one and that is the 1985 skeleton crew
9: because
2: skeleton crew is just chock full of stories i loved um i i think i like a, there's there's a collection there's about twenty two stories in here um i know I, I know i really love at least half of them uh the the ones that like really stuck with me the man who would not shake hands that's a mm. nice little short one it's stupid it's the guy who's cursed with shaking hands if he does he kills someone um word processor for the gods jeez oh,
1: what? It's nothing. It's just like the title's so '80s. It is, but
2: uh, like that's kind of like a fun kind of like it's it's a story that's been told yeah, a yeah, thousand yeah. times, but like King does it in such an interesting way. Um, but the three for me that I absolutely just adore in this are the Mist, uh, which I'm, I'll hold on a conversation of the Mist <laughs> for later. For no apparent reason.
10: Okay. Good to do.
2: Um, the raft, the raft, fucking terrified me as a kid. I read the raft when I was nine years old, oh. <laughs> and the entire idea of being stuck on a raft and like it ends with, like it, with this like slime creature, they all s- consuming people by melting their skin. I had also read – I had seen – my mom let me see the movie The Blob, the uh, Shauna Smith – I can't remember who directed it – remake of The Blob. Mm -hmm. Like, because my mom is a crazy person but awesome in the same way. Um, And I would seen that, and I'd be like, oh, that's terrifying. She's like, you think that's terrifying? And she gave me a copy of Skeleton Crew, and I read The Raft. And, like, that is mortifying to read as a kid. Mm -hmm. It ends with him standing there with his one leg up. And that's why like Creepshow two doesn't work so much for me because like it completely changes that ending where he swims off, escapes, and then like the wave comes. But like just sitting there, I'm just wondering, you know. Um, that got to me, but then I decided I needed to read more of the Skeleton Crew. It was the first book in Skeleton Crew, I, first story in Skeleton Crew. I read was the Raft, so I just started from the beginning. You know, read the Mist, loved it. some of the other stories I loved and then I got to the jaunt and the jaunt to me still stands as like the most terrifying piece of literature Um, it is King doing cosmic horror but doing cosmic horror without telling you Mm -hmm. what's going on it's it's basically a man creates a a form of teleportation Um, the only problem being you have to be unconscious when you teleport or else you go insane and you don't know why you go insane um, it being, ultimately, because it's some sort of unknowable amount of time. It's longer than you think, Dad. It's longer than you think.
11: Here was a creature, older than time, masquerading as a boy. And yet it pounced and writhed with a kind of horrid, obscene glee. And at its choked, lunatic cackles, the jaunt attendants drew back in terror. Some of them fled, although they had been trained to cope with just such an unthinkable eventuality. The old young legs twitched and quivered, claw hands beat and twisted and danced on the air. Abruptly they descended and the thing that had been his son began to claw at its face. Longer than you think, Dad, it cackled, longer than you think. Held my breath when they gave me the gas, wanted to see, I saw, I saw, longer than you think. Cackling and screeching, the thing on the jaunt couch suddenly clawed its own eyes out. Blood gouted. The recovery room was an aviary of screaming voices now. Longer than you think, Dad. I saw. I saw. Long jaunt. Longer than you think. It said other things before the jaunt attendants were finally able to bear it away, rolling its couch swiftly away as it screamed and clawed at the eyes that had seen the unseeable forever and ever. It said other things, and then it began to scream. But Mark Oates didn't hear it, because by then he was screaming himself.
2: And as a child, I was... And and still, we talked about this last week with my fear of of death. um, Just the entire thought of an eternity. And, like, an eternity stuck in a whiteness Mm -hmm. was, like... I think 100% my entire fear of eternity and, like, all that stuff starts with the John.
1: (laughs) Come on, Zine King. You're ruining Mario's life. No, I
2: I think it's great. I think it's great that, like, you know... uh, uh, What? I think the John is, like,
1: 20 pages so. It's very Bradbury-esque. Because it's very slim and trim and, like, it got that ending, like, that killer ending. But, like... Just enough character development and backstory to make the ending seem earned and yeah. important and significant. Um, and,
2: and it just is. And it's a kid once again, Clawneil's eyes, a little kid around the age I was when I read it. And fuck, that stuck with me. But um, everything else in *Skeleton* Crew, I think uh, you know, almost everything works in *Skeleton* Crew. Mm-hmm. and it just is. It's it's different from story to story, but it's just one of the most fun times you can have. And that's the
1: great thing about like the King short story collections and I've liked most of them except I mean I think Everything's Eventual is not so great. Everything's
2: Eventual is the one with the, um, the like the dinner scene with the blood on the back. Yeah. Right? I, like, I like the uh, autopsy one. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, what's the name of that? I forget. But like Bizarre or Bad Dreams is the newest one is awful. Have you read any of this? No I haven't. Read it. It's fucking terrible. Um I also haven't read a Stephen King short story in a long time, and I don't think he's written a lot of sh- like since like, Just After Sunset and Full Dark No stories. I don't think he's... Um, I mean, obviously, he's published them and stuff like that, but I don't think he's a short story guy. Those are
4: anymore. novellas to me that, you know...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, I don't think he's doing it... He's not operating on the same level that he used to operate from a short story perspective. So. And,
2: like, like, creatively this also kind of like... I prefer to write... When I write short stories and i i think like, me and you've always differed on this i don't yeah. know how you feel jp but i i prefer the short story to the novel i i think
4: no i've had trouble with concise. short stories with writers other than Stephen king mm. um yeah
1: I, I feel like it's over before it starts um well i like Stephen Milhauser, and that's george saunders has done some cool stuff but yeah i mean me and short stories aren't like Quick friends. I'm always suspicious of the short story. Well, I think, I
2: think my thing, and I think this developed from this, is I like just plot. Like, just I've always been just a plot guy. And, and I hate you. Plots. Excise the need for like huge character development and just get to the the meat of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm. I'd probably would have made a great studio executive because I just want quick treatments. <laughs> um, I think it all started here. Just trim with, the fat with, with yeah. the stuff from, um, skeleton crew. Just, awesome. just awesome. everything so trim, but it's telling a lot all those those, especially those main three stories are doing a lot of work
1: mm-hmm. alright JP number two. number two
4: my number two is your number five uh, different seasons mm-hmm. and uh, that's because I was sort of just conflicted I was going to do like a special note for Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption because mm-hmm. that's probably the story I've read The mo- I would just read that over and over I thought it was just a perfect story and but the more I thought about it it's like the body at pupil at pupil resonates much more for me it's more horrifying oh it's terrifying yeah, yeah. and so I I said well you know this if I'm gonna if I'm gonna cheat a little bit and which I haven't because you're doing skeleton crew um <laughs> you know I always I always read it as a book. I wouldn't just read one of them. I'd read the first three and then skip Breathing Method. Right,
1: because breathing Method seems like the least... Like, one of them's a prison story. One of them's about kids mm-hmm. finding a dead body. And then at pupils is about Nazis. If you're... You know, a young kid reading that, like, he was like, Oh, a woman having a baby. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, yeah. the gentleman's club that, like, the doctor who. Where they're drinking bourbon yeah, and like, smoking like, cigars. Yeah, death has no, like, basis on my life at all. Yep. Um, but, I mean, yeah, Shawshank Redemption, I think, read it here with instruction, Shawshank Redemption is, like, weirdly perfect. It's strange that the movie, the choices that they made in the movie kind of make it better. But it's also really good. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's really deep. All the stuff it's in the movie is there in the book. Yeah. Like, nothing's missing. It's all there. It's all perfect. It's all great.
0: When Andy came to Shawshank in 1948, he was 30 years old. He was a short, neat little man with sandy hair and small, clever hands. He wore gold-rimmed spectacles. His fingernails were always clipped, and they were always clean. That's a funny thing to remember about a man, I suppose, but it seems to sum Andy up for me. He always looked as if he should have been wearing a tie. On the outside, he had been a vice president in the trust department of a large Portland bank good work for a man as young as he was especially when you consider how conservative most banks are and you have to multiply that conservatism by 10 when you get up into new england where folks don't like to trust a man with their money unless he's bald limping and constantly plucking at his pants to get his truss round straight and he was in for murdering his wife and her lover
4: that's and again you know i was reading that way before the movie came out when when the movie came out I was working at the Fairfield Theater movie theater and was like they made they made this? <laughs> like I didn't even know it was happening. Uh-huh. I was in college so I was working like winters and summers. I didn't have the internet, it didn't have the internet in nineteen ninety four. Uh but so
1: anyway. Yeah, exactly. The third trailer
4: But no, nope, different seasons, just again read it so many times it's committed to memory
1: i went i asked my brother to get it for me for like christmas one year because that's how we do holidays in my house just tell people what to get yeah. you they just get it for you i was like it's more efficient need this, need this hardcover copy of different seasons um so mine number two we're going back to the tower um and it's volume seven of the dark tower the dark tower um There's a moment in the beginning of the book where a reality wave hits, and like something that's happening in a different world, kind of like, makes, has enough of a ripple effect that like it affects all the worlds, and like, it's like a wave, and everyone goes up, and it's floating, and it stinks. It's just cheap king bullshit, which he's very good (laughs) at. Stephen King is very good at cheap king Stephen King bullshit. Um, Under, Under the Dome. Under the Dome, or like, end, or End of Watch, where the killer makes people kill themselves by getting a doctor that works on his hospital ward to manipulate handheld video game systems. So yeah. you're, saying, you're saying I could skip that one? Yeah, or and Lizzie's Story, which is a travesty, which everyone wrote about like it was supposed to be his... People love Lizzie's Story. It's yeah. fucking terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. If you think like we remember when we talk about like when you were just talking about the raft and like there's a slime monster, so Lizzie's story is supposed to be like a relationship, and you know what like the thing is there's a giant worm caterpillar thing in like a different world where her husband is stuck, and they have to vanquish the worm thing. It's like come on, come on, Stevie.
2: come on, well, that makes sense. Yeah, you always have to vanquish worm things.
1: Yeah, you do. Well, we're like in Doomkey with the huge frogs and the ghost pirate ship that just appears out of nowhere doesn't matter doesn't
2: matter you like
1: that one though right? i do like doom because it's it's not a serious book it's just a fun 500 page book about a guy writing with one arm it's great um but the dark tower um after you get past the reality wave is is and i said the same thing about wizard and glass and i think it's true here is um it's one of the great fantasy novels
2: um Typically, world. how are you with fantasy? Like, are have you are you a big? I, you never really seem to talk heavily about fantasy. I want fantasy to, doesn't seem heavy on your.
1: It's not. Pivotal I, film list. I want to like fantasy way more than I actually like fantasy. So I I still haven't read through The Lord of the Rings all the way. I've read pieces of all the books. It's um, really boring. I read The Hobbit. Less boring. Um, Eye of the I of the world. Robert Jordan series. Um, I've gotten through three books, and then the fourth book, it's just more of the same, and I'm just like, can't do it. I want to be, I think it's a community that I want to be a part of, but I can't. And I think that's why I love the Dark Tower books, because they are different. They are just totally different. They bring a new thing to the fantasy novel, or the fantasy series, which is like present-day American life. Um and that's kind of the thing that everyone says about the Dark Tower, but the seventh book is great because it's focus the focus stops shifting so much the the cartet is together again for you know, a lot of the beginning of the novel, and then people start dying and it just becomes about Roland. It's just Roland's perspective. he goes deeper into his world than we've ever been before. everything that is. Illustrated in those scenes is perfect. It's perfectly realized. It's vivid, um, and so by the time he gets to the field of roses, and the Crimson King has trapped himself on the tower, and um, Patrick Danville has to draw the the you know the Crimson King out of existence, and then Roland goes up to the top of the tower, and it's it is. Um, a triumphant feeling.
5: He took the stairs one by one, walking with his back straight and his head held up. The other rooms had been opened to his eye. The final one was closed off, his way blocked by a ghostwood door with a single word carved upon it. That word was Roland. He grasped the knob. It was engraved with a wild rose wound around a revolver. One of those great old guns from his father, and now lost forever. Yet it will be yours again, whispered the voice of the tower, and the voice of the roses. These voices were now one. What do you mean? To this there was no answer. But the knob turned beneath his hand, and perhaps that was an answer. Roland opened the door at the top of the dark tower.
1: And it's a feeling that I'm gonna remember, like, for the rest of my life. Reading those pages of finally he gets to the tower and what happens thereafter, which is like a mind fuck. Yeah, no. because Especially if you try to read them in order, because you just read them in order and all you have to pay for it is... And we do spoilers on here. I'm not going to spoil this because if you want to go into it, like, go into it. Um, but in the end, it's worth it. You know what I mean? It's it somehow Stephen King sells it. So you feel that it is because totally it's not right. unsatisfying. No, no, no. It's 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 it is unsatisfying while simultaneously being it's weirdly satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Um, which takes me to my number one. And I'll go. How do we? How do we want to do this? I'll just do. Well, my, I'll do a little bit of myself. Okay. Unless you want to just do yours, and then we can just do ours. Because me and Mark are the, yeah, yeah, the same number one. Yeah. So but, you, you want to do it? Or you want to go, JP? Do you, yeah. Do since two one. of
4: you have the same number one, I'll do my number one. The Shining.
1: That was my number six. I I had a feeling. Yeah,
2: that was and my number. It, Forty. The novel I read.
4: <laughs> well, and this will tie into our pivotal film conversation, or or our, our films conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, again, I was ten or maybe younger when I first encountered the movie, not seeing all of it. The Steven Weber miniseries? Yes, yes, (laughs) the um, Steven Weber. Um, It's a funny sentence. Just saying, what is this, you know? And then finally reading it, I don't know exactly at what age, but nothing scared me more. And like I said before, you know, I'm a huge King fan because of just how much he's able to scare me. Mm -hmm. I I could read sections of The Shining right now that I've read, you know, six times. They'll still scare the ever living shit out of me, and that's why that book has to be there.
1: I went through this period, like I mentioned, where I read The Shining at first, and I was like, "This book doesn't even make any sense." Like, and I think I was just comparing it to the movie. Um, But then one winter. Maybe two years ago, it just occurred to me. I was like in the house. And it was gonna snow, and like it, the weather was like it's gonna snow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I gotta read The Shining. I gotta go get The Shining somewhere. So like went to the library, and like while I was at the library, it started snowing. So I had to drive home to the show. But I had like The Shining with this. me, and it 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 worked for like the first time for hmm. me. Um, it all like everything worked. I got all the psychology behind it all the weird stuff that's not in the movie I actually really liked here. Um it's the only time I think I've ever been moderately like you said, like scared by like a Stephen King book. Not the animals, like the hedge animals. The hedge animals. The hedge animals I think are a mistake. But like the guy that's like a dog. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The the hose. The the
4: hose in the hallway is one of the Um scariest things ever and and nothing actually
10: happens danny looked around the corner the extinguisher was there a flat hose folded back a dozen times on itself the red tank attached to the wall above it was an axe in a glass case like a museum exhibit with white words printed on a red background in case of emergency break glass danny could read the word emergency which was also the name of one of his favorite tv shows but was unsure of the rest but he didn't like the way the word was used in connection with that long, flat hose. Emergency was fire, explosions, car crashes, hospitals, sometimes death. And he didn't like the way that hose hung so blandly on the wall. When he was alone, he always skittered past these extinguishers as fast as he could. No particular reason. It just felt better to go fast. It felt safer. Now, heart thumping loudly in his chest he came around the corner and looked down the hall, past the extinguisher to the stairs. Mommy was down there sleeping, and if Daddy was back from his walk, he would probably be sitting in the kitchen, eating a sandwich and reading a book. He would just walk right past that old extinguisher and go downstairs. He started toward it, moving closer to the far wall until his right arm was brushing the expensive silk paper. Twenty steps away. Fifteen. A dozen. When he was ten steps away... The brass nozzle suddenly rolled off the fat loop it had been lying, sleeping on, and fell to the hall carpet with a dull thump.
1: Yeah, and I and I got it. And it was weird that I got it because I I was, it was weird that it occurred, I was like, this is the perfect time to read The Shining. Like, the kids are not going to have school, mm-hmm. they're just going to do whatever they're going to do, like in the house, and I'm just going to sit and I'm going to, yeah. like, drink in The Shining. It was awesome. It was great.
2: I think I'm going to have to read, I tried to read this in middle school, and I just, got like a hundred pages in, I'm trying to think about where I was and I just, I found it a chore and I just could never get into it. It was the same thing with like Cujo. It, it, there's something Cujo of,
4: is a chore. about yeah.
2: the labor of, of of the writing to me in it. Like, I don't know if it's just the style that he was applying at the time, See, but I think it's that early really king, because I, I, I had the same problem with like Carrie.
1: But it's different than early king, I think, because it's a, it's a little more focused because it only has really Three perspectives, which is Jack, no, it's, Wendy, it's and focused. Danny.
2: It's focused, but it's just—I don't know if there's something about like the cadence of the writing or something mm-hmm. that just never, like, that I can't read any of his early stuff. I
1: think it's a mindset with The Shining. Like, Maybe. you just have to be. The Shining is weird because it's—it's it's, you have to kind of give yourself over to the idea that like there's nothing they can do here, like they're just fucking stuck. And I think it's hard in like modern day society. And That's even going from like the year two thousand and on or whatever. Just be like, to well, I, believe
2: I read the idea that
1: like everyone's
2: just. I guess I I read, I read this around two thousand sure. and one. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, not even. No, I think How I read like you, late nineties. Were you like well 90s. aware
4: of the movie and like had seen it? And
2: I'd seen. I, I I read it because I had seen the Stephen Weber miniseries. <laughs> oh, I couldn't get into the. Uh,
4: what did you say before about? When you're adapting something, try not to just do it literally. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's yeah. a good example. Well, Stephen of not... King is uh,
1: That's why I said that Stephen King probably loved it, chapter two. He's uh-huh. like, all oh, my things.
2: Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just couldn't get. Yeah, I guess I just could not get into the mindset or could not get into like that sort of perspective with it. Mm-hmm. Um, really quickly, though, before we get into our number one, I will wanted to give a quick shout out to what was my number six. Uh-huh. Um, terrible book, I think, overall, but Needful Things. <laughs>
1: You do like Needful Things.
2: Um, It's just a goofy story, and for a sexually developing young child, the (laughs) English teacher dream, I, as an 11-year-old, read that part Uh five or six times over and over again.
1: Needful Things.
2: So, shout out to Needful Things for helping a young boy, a young Mario realized not what sex was about, but what he thought sex might be like.
1: <laughs> well, uh,
2: so you just keep fucking me up, Stephen King.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Which I'm sure he's happy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that gets us to our mutual number ones, which is um do you wanna be goofy and say it at the same time? No. It's JP already talked about it. It was his number five. It is uh eleven twenty two sixty three. Um I think it's perfect. I think it's a perfect Stephen King book. Even perfect i think it's just a perfect anything book yeah even at the end which i wanted to feel disappointed in like that he just kind of went back to his life and then um she's really old mm. and then he goes to see her at, at, at that like where they're recognizing her life and and um they dance and it seems so corny and so stephen king but every time and i've read this book three times, I think. I've read twice, yeah. In, like, print, and I've listened to the audio, because the audiobook is great. It's right I by refuse
2: this. to watch the Hulu TV show.
1: I refuse to watch it either. They changed stuff that didn't need to be changed. I don't even know. They I just made it, did. it... Didn't you watch, start watching I it? I did, and, and then they just... just, just no. They were. They just made too many weird decisions. and Like, Chris Cooper um, is mad. Um, what? He's, like, mad at him. Why? I don't know! It doesn't make any sense! Like, why bad? is he mad? Al's... So amicable he's affable even but that's he has so much cancer but so he does have a lot of cancer um but it seemed whenever i open it up so the 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 uh, i forget who read craig watson or was i forget what it is doesn't matter the guy that reads the audiobook he does a great 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 job um every time i open this book up i'm just in it like i just drop and the conceit the time travel conceit is dealt with so perfectly in the sense that it's not dealt with at all yeah exactly and, and that's why i find
2: the thing that makes me love this book is king works at his best when he is dwelling so heavily into like memory yeah. and into like nostalgia like and the fact that like he went to the nth degree for the minutia of this in terms of, like, figuring out the correct prices or traveling to Dallas to kind of figure out the right routes. Like, that's fine and all that, but the fact that King felt obligated to do that shows how much of a weird passion there was in this. And the thing that made me realize I was gonna fucking love this book is when um, Jake first goes back in time to have a fucking ice cream and root beer yeah. and just spends a page and a half talking about the ice cream and the root beer and the taste of it. And you're just like, this is a fucking, like, this is an old man. Like Stephen King is what? 66 when he writes this. Right. Um, just remembering life and just like grasping onto it and
9: writing it down. So it all sticks there. How about a root beer instead? Sounds good. And it did. My throat was dry and my head was hot. I felt like I was running a fever. Five or ten. I beg your pardon. Five or ten cent beer. Oh, ten, I guess. Well, I guess you guess right. He opened an ice cream freezer and removed a frosty mug roughly the size of a lemonade pitcher. He filled it from a tap, and I could smell the root beer, rich and strong. He scraped the foam off the top with the handle of a wooden spoon, then filled it all the way to the top and set it down on the counter. There you go. That in the paper's 18 cents, plus a penny for the governor. I handed over one of Al's vintage dollars and Frank 1.0 made change. I sipped through the foam on top and was amazed. It was full. Tasty all the way through. I don't know how to express it any better than that. This 50 years gone world smelled worse than I ever would have expected but it tasted a whole hell of a lot better you know and, and it leads into like a thing that
2: became like a major prominent part of King's life like King dwells so heavily into how much he hates Nixon anytime he can throw a little Nixon jab yeah. in there he does
1: but it's just like yeah, the thing I love about the book is that like it's not just he doesn't isn't satisfied to just say that things were different in 1958 he says this is how things were different. They smelled different. They tasted different. Like, everything felt different. It just...
2: It's, but at the same time, like, it was all fucking still terrible. Like, like and doesn't shy away from how bad it still was. I think, like,
1: in that right. scene that you're talking about, which is, like, the scene that hooks you, it's not just, like, how full the root beer float tastes, which is what he says, like, all the time. Like, it's so full. It's, like, real cream. It's real sugar. Like, blah, 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 blah it's that like the glass is heavy and like the sound that heavy glass makes when it's on like the soda fountain countertop. You know what I mean? Um, It's all that stuff. It's how the mill, the Wurumbo mill smells. Um, Or like how the the sunliners like hood feels when like he taps on it and all that (laughs) stuff. It's, it's all so real. It's all tactile. yeah, it's it's and it's what nine hundred pages long, but it just and he usually Stephen King makes a big deal when his books are attached to other books, but this is one of the ones where like this book is attached directly to it. It is latched on it, but he doesn't make a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. Right. He's got Richie and Bevy, and they're and they're they're dancing, and we know it's Richie. He's got the beep beeps, all that stuff we know it it's them but he doesn't dwell on it he doesn't hang out there you know what i mean Mm -hmm. he doesn't make like a oh there's there's harmonies in this book he talks a lot about harmony in this book it's just in passing that's not one of them where in a different book like insomnia oh my god (laughs) if we talk about like if we do like a worst books conversation like insomnia might be like his worst book yeah but that's where i was
2: i was saved from insomnia by not reading it oh my god
1: it's terrible um insomnia leans right into the dark tower like it's all dark tower the whole time i think it's the same thing with the talisman or black house or one of the straw books i think is a tower book um and it just like just rests its head on the tower so it can you know just be a bad book but he knows people are going to read it because the tower book doesn't matter this book doesn't do any of that stuff. This book supports... And it It supports all subplots, too. Like, the first couple hundred pages are... Um, just about the Frank issue. Just the Frank stuff. And the the, all, the whole... And, like, it all resets, too. perfect. And it resets.
2: It resets back to, like... And then, like, right. the entire conceit of the novels about stopping, you know, the assassination of JFK. But the first three hundred pages, and typically this won't work, is just about, you know, this this Frank and, and Harry Harry issue. Yeah, um, Harry Dunning. But it's fine. Like like you would typically feel like, Oh my god, King, what are you doing? Yeah, get like, to the, get, get to the stuff. point. But like you don't care. Like like by that point, like that's a novel into itself and it's a perfectly fine novel. Yeah. But it also works as a great, you know uh, for the, foreboding of, of the unraveling that will come from
1: you know, the JFK thing. And the digression too, absolutely when he goes back, he kills Frank again, but then he's got time to kill, so he goes to that other he goes to that lodge to save that girl Carolyn Poolen, who gets shot when she's with her Hunter, dad. yeah, um, and there's that whole. What are they? What, what game are they playing? They're playing um, some card game. Yeah, what, I can't or, remember. Or no, card game like a peg game. Hmm. Um, I can't remember what it was. But even that digression's like pretty long. But when you're th- when when he leaves, you're like oh. He's leaving? Like, yeah, like, there's parts... There's it's parts like, where we're talking going? about,
2: like, gambling on things that he knows leading into, like, him getting beat almost to death, like, that history trying to, like, yeah, yeah, solve yeah. itself. And you're like, every time you leave something in that book, you're kind of like, no. And, like, that's a that's a crazy thing that King doesn't do is the fact that, like, even though it's a long, lengthy book, it, it demands all of that. It doesn't have a lot of fat to it. And, like, you always feel like you, you have just enough. You have just enough of the story needed to propel yourself forward, but you're always wanting something more. Like, you always feel like you're just slightly
1: cheated out. on something. The pa- I mean, and the payoff is is weirdly perfect. Yeah. Like, the, like, not just the end, but like, when they finally get to the JFK stuff, it would be very Stephen King to fucking blow it. Because he always blows it. Yeah, this is the one time he got the ending. He, he got the whole it. thing. Yeah. Like, even
2: from the talking to JFK stuff. You know what I mean? Even the alternate ending, like, worked too. was fine. Like, yeah. where he just sees a newspaper clipping of what Sadie, like, went on to marry and have all the kids. Like, that's fine. Like, he knew what he was doing. Like, this is well, the one time where everything was so perfectly planned met
1: out. And itself. it's the one time that he explained the thing that we wanted to have explained, which is, like, the time travel and how the harmonic stuff works um, with the green card man. He, you know, he goes back and like it's just a shit show. It's like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. All the threads of the universe. All I that stuff it. really works. Time. How they kind of tangle themselves and how every time is not, it's not, doesn't reset. It's like a new thread. There's all these new threads and, and how like each the card one, men killing themselves because they can't handle it. Yeah, it's it's they, and it's it's weird and I think that's one of the reasons I love it so much is that it seems so un and because it's
2: because it's like cosmic stuff and it doesn't feel like it needs to be explained. It's just like. It's crazy shit that's needed for the purpose of the story. Here's some explanation. The world's tearing itself apart because it can't exist, but like, that's all you need to know. And like, you're like, yeah, that's all I need to know. But like, yeah. you want more, but at the same time, you're like, that's perfect.
1: Right. You want more, but you're just like, oh, I just had 700 pages. Yeah. If you think I'm pretty good. All right, so let's... Um...
2: So obviously, the, the best Stephen King book of all time is 112263, because we
1: agreed. We all it's all on all of our lists. It's so average. It's average rank is. What high. is the worst one? I vote. My vote is insomnia. Insomnia is boring, long, and just terrible. Like the little doctors that snip your threads is the stupidest thing ever. What do you think? Like oh. the worst Stephen King book you've ever read? That I've read. Yeah. Uh,
4: what read all the way through? Or no, just that you've like, confronted. I read like about. Hundred fifty two hundred pages of time and knockers and said
1: no.
2: Uses like that. Yeah. I will limit myself to having to had finished the book. Sell.
1: Yeah, sells pretty
2: bad. Yeah, sells.
1: But sell is also one of those books he just kind of wrote in like, like a month. The, yeah, the month. Added, okay, like, yeah, like,
2: like oh, my body's still kind of like destroyed from like four years ago. Um, but like, I, there's a lot of books I stopped reading. Like, I got through eighty pages of Under the Dome. You know, I couldn't get through Shining, I couldn't get through all his earlier work, because so I, I want to give benefit of the doubt Cell was the one I read all the way through, and I was like I wasted my time.
4: Yeah. Under the Dome would probably be the one that I read all the way through Now, I I ripped right through it, it was very mm. easy quick read, short chapters but I was like, this is just dumb
1: Well, the payoff is so horrible in Under the Dome
2: But easily, the, his aborted book that's also really fun to read is Dreamcatcher Dreamcatcher, it's so, Ca- it's Dream so is terrible. It's so terrible, but no, so but fun. You're, you're I
4: don't right, think like, there's enough time in my life to that, even look for a copy of Dreamcatcher. That
1: era of King is very problematic. Like the Bag of Bones, girl who loved Tom Gordon, Dreamcatcher era, where he's it's so bad but so great. I didn't mind Bag of Bones. I, I like Bag of Bones. Shit weasel, shit weasels. Shit. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about shit weasels. Um, but yeah, when I read it, I I like Bag of Bones, but it's also just kind of like a weird book. Like it seems very unfocused. All those books seem very it's longer like, than it needs to. Be, yeah. Um, However, it,
2: it should be said that he did tell Rolling Stone, "I don't like Dreamcatcher very much," and said it was written under the influence of oxycontin. So there
1: you go. Well, it's like him saying he doesn't remember writing creature.